Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Five seconds. Here's Lamaru Davidson. Across for Kessel. The shot and a glove save by Davian as the horn sounds. What a save by Davian again. She was a star for Canada during this three-on-three. Good back-and-forth action, everything we expected. Oh, nice give-and-go from Kachuk to Dreisaitl. Forgetting about the two upcoming games this coming week between uh, Edmonton and Calgary. And no hugging there at all. It's McDavid again. Protected by Dreisaitl. Has a man open. It's Hurdle walking on in. Hurdle with a shot. He scores! His fifth goal of the day. Some of the great moments from All-Star Weekend as we welcome you to another edition of Our Line Starts. Liam McHugh, Anson Carter, Keith Jones. Still trying to figure out how to sit in these chairs. Yeah, it takes a while. <laughs> Anson's got it. Going the relaxed look. Yeah. Casual, on, give it a shot. Legs crossed. <laughs> this is the podcast. Yeah, you're ready. Right yeah, you're settling in for the night. This isn't the big sh- This isn't the show. You don't have the, the suit, the tie. The makeup, nice and easy for this one. Uh, and you're coming off All-Star like Weekend, getting back into the mix. It was party time, back to the grind tonight. But let's talk about All-Star Weekend, some of the big takeaways. We'll get to that in a moment. But first, here's what we're going to talk about throughout this entire podcast. Here's what's on tap, NHL All-Star Weekend, obviously. And you heard Doc with the call there about Kachuk, Dreisaitl, pretty interesting. You're teaming up, and then that feud continues. Battle of Alberta renewed this week. Handicapping the Pacific Division, very interesting division right there as those top five teams all within one point. Plus, Pierre Maguire will sit down with Stars GM Jim Nill. But right back to St. Louis. Big takeaway, All-Star Weekend. Some of the moments that are going to stay with you. I, I always measure it by how the fans are reacting during the skills competition, first and foremost. It was packed, obviously, but they stayed in their seats. They enjoyed it. Uh, right up to the final event, the uh, Shooting Stars event, where some of the players came basically into the crowd and started doing some trick shots. But it was I was impressed with how much attention people were paying to the skills event. So I think that they came away from that enjoying it. I'm, I'm not 100% sure how that translated to television but I know the people in the building had a great time and anytime you've got the fastest skaters going at it uh, that's always intriguing to see who ends up winning that it was impressive to watch the speed of the players and the hardest shot is always one would you have liked to have gone into the stands to take a shot right yeah next to that looked bed. pretty cool like it looked like it'd be kind of fun to do it I don't think it mattered just how good of a player you were either you might have a specialty <laughs> that you could do as far as firing the puck so it was, it was an interesting idea, and I think there's more to come in that regard. I mean, it's a skill that you'd never really lose, but it was interesting to watch a guy like Brett Hull, one of the best shooters of all time, and he could barely shoot muffins yeah. out of the stands <laughs> when he had his opportunity. But I just thought being there in St. Louis, having the former Blues players participate, I always yeah. like seeing the old-school alumni, Bernie Federico, Al McKinnis shooting 100 miles an hour, Brett Hull. Uh, that stuff there got me excited. And I also enjoyed seeing a guy like Patrick Kane, who didn't have to be there. He could have stayed at home 
Chicago's on the outside. He could have said, you know what, I'm getting a little bit more rest. I'm going to rest up for the second half. He decided to show up. He was booed, but he played it great. Tremendous for the crowd. And also Austin Matthews, too. He didn't participate. He was hurt, but he still, still showed, showed up. up. And I think that's you need the most guys, To me, thing. you need guys like Patrick Kane. Like, I, think, I think of the All-Star game, and his skill set immediately comes to mind. It, that's where it translates. You want to see that. You want to be dazzled. And he wants to show you it, too. Like, he, he doesn't shy away from the real, realization that, that everyone is there, that are superstars in the league, and let's take it back a notch. Yeah. No, he goes up another level and has fun doing it. So you can see the passion that he has for the game, but you can also see the incredible skills that he has on full display. And I always always appreciate that about certain players like Patrick Kane that don't shy away from the spotlight. They love it, and they do their best to promote the game that they love playing. And Patrick Kane deserves a lot of credit for the way he was he's, acting the whole time. Absolutely. I mean, he's matured right before our eyes. Like, you go back to even the World Championships when he shows up for Team USA, where's the C, leads that young group. And then now in the All-Star game, he's an ambassador for the sport. You can't help. He's got three Stanley Cups. He's played so well over the last 10 years, all-decade team, and he's still showing up, putting his face out there, and doing it with a smile too, Liam. Does it make you feel old, though, that now that there are young guys at this All-Star experience saying, yeah, when I was growing up, I looked up to Patrick Kane, right? <laughs> pretty scary. He was the guy I was idolizing. You're like, ah, God, it's just cringeworthy. It makes you feel very old. Uh, I thought it was a great showcase for St. Louis. I mean, this is a fantastic hockey town, uh, and I think kind of a hidden gem in terms of hockey downs. We saw this a few years ago, 2016 uh, draft, five players from that St. Louis area get drafted. Uh, and also with the Kachucks, you know, a homecoming to have both Kachuk boys back there where they grew up watching the sport and learning the sport and then playing in an all-star situation. I thought that was great. Yeah, that was a nice touch because the Blues players obviously were embraced by their fans. They're coming off the Stanley Cup championship, so hockey's at an all-time high in St. Louis, and the fans showed their appreciation not just for the players but for the head coach, Craig Berube, who was there coaching yep. the team as well. Layla Anderson put on a great show. She is an incredible kid. Best. Uh, the announcing of the players was unbelievably entertaining and just to see how they all reacted giving her a big high or a fist pump big hug or a big fist pump uh, was awesome to watch so I thought the Blues players did a great job in embracing it and that was awesome but the fans really showed their love for them and then when they were knocked out the Kachuk brothers were still going at it both Matthew and Brady playing against each other in the final and Matthew Kachuk put on a show in this uh, in the three-on-three he was an incredibly effective player during that and then Keith Kachuk was there that's part of the shooting star Mm -hmm. event that he came out to and Brady was there as well. (laughs) Hard to believe he's the younger brother. Look at the size of that beast. It's amazing. (laughs) But they they all seem to have a smile on their face the entire time. And there you can see the two brothers coming together at center ice. Well, about Matthew, it's interesting because he he makes the news so often for getting under players' skin. But there's all-star skill there. And you got a chance to really see it up up close and personal without any of the other stuff. Like, you forget about it. Yeah. Some players like Matthew Kachuk or even Marshawn, same exact yeah. thing. You forget how skillful these players are. But for me, when it comes to the Kachuk family, I really hope they remember this moment because I don't want to hear in five or six years when Brady's this big star that mm-hmm. he's taking the All-Star weekend off. You know, he was in the Bahamas. He decided to put that to the rest, which I loved. Yep. He packed his bags, came to St. Louis, celebrated with his, with his brother Matthew because realistically, he might not have been an All-Star, like, he's one of Ottawa's best players, could be a future captain there, but there's other players I thought that could have been a, a replacement ahead of Brady Kachuk, but I understand the storyline. I understand St. Louis. I understand the brothers coming together. And I just hope they repay that same favor in five years. We're not talking about Brady Kachuk taking time off. He's going to remember this and say, you know, All-Star is a big moment for my family. It was in St. Louis. 
now let's make sure we pay this forward. It's a great point. And I think the league does a really good job in replacing some players that may not want to be there for whatever reason uh, by putting players there that uh, fit the storyline. Obviously, yep. local guys do mm. an extra couple of st louis blues players that obviously there's other star players in the league that may have played there ahead of them at the all-star game but it keeps that local flair and i think that's really important at the all-star game it'll be interesting to see what happens next year when it's down in south florida and i think there'll be a, probably a few more players that uh, are going to be willing to go down there and, <laughs> and enjoy the warm yeah well exactly it's a bit of a vacation alongside that uh and potentially some talk of an international flair there uh bringing that back to the equation within the all-star competition uh, but let's do it with Matthew Kachuk because it's pretty interesting that he's in this game all of a sudden you know rivals become teammates and he's out there with Leon Dreisaitl and your teammates are the all-star but now this battle for Alberta it renews and it's heated and I thought Dreisaitl's reaction to when they teamed up for a goal was pretty interesting it's sort of like I gotta go back and talk to Cassian after this we can't get too close I mean but it is it's, it's a strange dynamic and it even gets stranger obviously after the trade deadline because we see that happen where guys who were rivals are all of a sudden teammates and making a playoff push but this is right dead in the middle of the season you're laughing it up having fun and then boom you're going at it and they play each other again yeah right away I mean there's no sitting back saying this is not going to happen anytime soon. Both these teams are playing each other right away. And I played in this battle, Alberta, and it's real. It's legit. I was in the team when Mac T, our coach, reached over and the Calgary Flames mascot was beaking our coach. He reaches out and rips the guy's tongue out. It's a mascot for crying out loud. That great. Well, that just goes to show you how intense this rivalry is. So, yes, they played together in the All-Star game. Yes, they combined for a sweet goal. But you can better believe once they got not playing <laughs> – both those players, Dreisaitl and Kachuk, and also McDavid, too, are putting the All-Star Weekend behind them and getting yeah. ready for this. There's certain things that make for a great drama, and this is one of them. It's what makes our league great. Uh, it gives you something to look forward to the entire league. And if you're one of the players that's in the middle of it all, like Matthew Kachuk is, it's his job to embrace that part of it. He, he wants it, he asks for it, and he's going to get it. He already got it in the last game, but he's not a player to shy away from it. So... That's what I appreciate the most about Kachuk's game. Whether he drops the gloves or not, there's a chance that he will against Zach Cassian or maybe pick somebody else. Maybe somebody else on the Edmonton Oilers offers up uh, their services and it's someone that he can't turn down. But I'm going to be watching the game for sure. So yeah. if you're, if you're dry sidle and you're playing this event, what Matthew Kachuk did is not the worst thing I've ever seen in the game. It's not like he injured a player on the Edmonton Oilers that's not no. going to be playing again. It's not like Claude Lemieux who cross-checked uh, Chris Draper from behind and then you saw the damage to Draper's face. Those things uh, I don't think players on the, that team get over. But I do think there's something in the back of your dry saddle's minds going, okay, we hate this guy. We really hate him. But, yeah. okay, what did he do? He hit... Zach Cassian, a tough guy, three times. Legally. Close to being legal, if not, whatever. It but was, in the flow of play. In the flow of play, say, right? not suspendable yeah. plays. Yeah. So as much as we're going to build this thing up, the, the amount of hatred to me would be at least uh, capped. It's not over the top. It's not like he blew a guy's knee out with a dirty hit like Casper. Uh, no, and then all of a sudden you get a skate with him. Yeah, that's it. So I, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. The ones that really carried forward. So I think it's, again, going to be entertaining. 
but I don't think it's the type of It's thing. funny, though. It's much, I mean, it's, it's must-watch, and it's not just for the Canadian audience now. I think if you were just a hockey fan, if you're a sports fan, like a casual hockey fan, like now like this game has an intensity to it. You're watching, and it's got an intensity with a star player right in the middle of it, right. which you don't always see. No, you don't, and, and he is a legitimate all-star. Yeah. Like, this wasn't one that, hey, he's from St. Louis, let's put him in this. He's played True. better than any other of the star players on the Calgary Flames. So huge points on the line in that game. Game, which we'll talk about later oh, yeah. because of the division, but more importantly, a lot of eyes on that game. And I think that's what brings the best out of star players. And Dreisaitl and McDavid have been putting on a show, and they put on a show at the All-Star game as well. But I think also because so many eyes will be on that game, guys will be on their best behavior too. If they're not going to go out of their way to injure anyone, do anything stupid because everyone will be watching this game. And I think back to when I played in Boston, Jonesy, played with Ray Bork. I'm taking a face-off near the end of the game. We're beating Toronto 5-1 in Boston, and Bubba's like, hey, ace. Puck gets dropped, get out of the way. I'm like, get out of the way? What are you talking about? It's 5-1. He goes, just get out of the way. So I'm facing off against Matt Sundin. Puck gets dropped. I do the old ole, get out of the way. He comes in, cross-checks Sundin in the chest, drops the gloves. We have a full line brawl. And the dressing room, I'm like, hey, Bob, what's going on right now? He's like, he hit me 10 years ago. Yep. I had to get him back. Oh my this is God. 10 years. <laughs> so guys have long memories. Like, yes, they do. Cassie yep. might not get Kachuk. <clears throat> This next game, well, I don't, but it could happen down the road. At some I don't think point. he can afford to. Do you? I mean, to me, the eyes are going to be not, on. No, no, not nothing stupid. I'm just no, saying, just payback was like, a big hit I mean, or listen, something. To, to me, he's under the microscope, message. though. Don't you exactly. think? Of like, course, Cassian himself so, going after Kachuk. I think. I don't know. Yeah, and it can't be like, borderline either because anything borderline yeah. of Cassian, due to his history, yeah. <laughs> he's getting suspended for sure. Yeah, if, if you think back to when Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty had their issues, kind of a similar story, but Doughty wasn't the guy that was going to drop the gloves with him exactly. because he was an important member. He took the elbow to the head. So there was from Matthew Kachuk. Well, Kachuk went and tried to fight a couple of different players on the LA Kings, the first shift of that next game. It's incredible how this whole thing has reversed. Now Kachuk is kind of in the position of Dowdy, yeah. where he's the guy that they're com- coming after, but Kachuk is not showing yet the willingness to fight that particular player. That can all change. The kid does not look like he's afraid of anything to me. No. So, and but the, he's also got a, a, you know. He's got a bit important job to do. Important job. Yeah. And he's been smart about it, right? I mean, what's his comment afterwards? We'll take the penalty. Yeah. And take the penalty, and take the power play, take the win. And that's where the important points come yeah. into play in that whole situation. And does he measure Cashy in the same way that he does the importance of a Drew Doughty to the LA Kings? The obvious answer is no. no. Yeah. So the fact that he's got his head spinning is actually an advantage to Matthew Kachuk, and we'll see how he plays it. That's what, that's what to me, makes it such a curious situation. So am I going to think less of Matthew Kachuk if he doesn't drop the gloves with Zach Cassian? No. Yeah. And, and, today's, and in today's game, no, not at all. Right? And I'm watching the score, yeah. too. That's what I'm doing. I'm watching the score. Yeah. If that game gets out of hand and it's 4-1 or 5-1, then the guys in the Edmonton's bench are saying, there's our chance. At this point, We're going to yeah. try to get them. But if it's a 3-2 hockey game, 2-1 no. hockey game, there is no way no way. You can't do anything stupid to put yourself in a position to lose those two points. And Matthew Kachuk's a valuable player. Yeah. I mean, we, we can't forget that. He's a valuable player for the Calgary Flames. So as a player himself, he can't do anything stupid either. As much as he wants to get under the other team's skin, he's got to play within the confines of whistle to whistle too because it's more important for him to be on the ice than being in the penalty box. All right. So a couple matchups those two teams keep an eye on still to come here. We're going to dive deeper into that Pacific Division, who has the edge heading into the stretch run. But first, Pierre Maguire sat down with the GM of the Dallas Stars, Jim Nill. What a pleasure it is to be joined by Jim Nill, the general manager of the Dallas Stars. Jimmy, thanks for joining us. Pierre, it's always a pleasure. So here's a big one for you. 
Hannah, Alberta. What's yeah. the population? That's where you grew up. That's where you're from. Yeah, home of the Canada Goose. The population is about 2,800. And uh, grew up there. Great place to grow up. Uh, great family life. You know, out in the countryside on the farms. And uh, it was a great place to grow up. I'm on the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee. And one of your fellow townsmen is a guy that you know very well, Lanny McDonald. How much did he influence you as a young person? Major influence. He was a mentor of mine. He was, uh, Lanny, I believe, is five years older than me, so he kind of, he went to Medicine Hat, and so, you know, that was a big thing back right. then, this young guy going to play junior hockey, very successful, very good player, and he kind of set the stage for me that, boy, that's where I want to go. That's my next step, and uh, I ended up following that same step. I went to Drumheller for a year, Tier two, uh, then to Messon Hat for three years, followed his steps, and he ended up getting drafted to Toronto, and the rest is history. And you got drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Do you remember the day you were drafted, uh, drafted and what the phone call was like? Yeah, I do. A little bit different than when he was now. <laughs> I was actually, I'd gone back to Drumheller to work that year. I was, uh, Which is an oil town, right? Which is an oil town. Yep. Uh, it's where they got the Dinosaur Museum and all that, yep. but a great city and stuff. I was working for the Alberta Power Company. I was testing poles, power poles. Mm -hmm. We had to test to see if they were getting rotted or not. I'd have to drill in, test and see if they're rotted. Got the phone call that night that I'd been drafted, and that was it. Where you went? And you went to St. Louis? You went to St. Louis. And then moved around a lot. Moved around from there. I, now, I, before I went to St. Louis, I had a chance to, uh, I got a call from the Canadian Olympic team. And I played on the 1980 Olympic mm -hmm. team. Uh, so I went to University of Calgary for one year. Uh, that led up to the 19, that was 79. That led up to the Olympics in 1980. And then from there, I went to St. Louis. One of your teammates on that Olympic team was Kevin Deneen. Do you remember much about Kevin in those Olympics? Yeah, no, he, he, Kevin was a good player. We, we had a pretty good team. You know, Paul McLean, Randy mm -hmm. Gregg was there, so we had a uh, pretty good group of players in that. And you obviously remember the miracle on ice. What was yes. your takeaway when you saw the Americans win the gold medal that year? Well, he, he, by then we'd beaten out now, but it was kind of, I don't want to say bittersweet. We played against the Americans all the time and pretty close teams. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually had just played Russia two games before. We lost to him 4-3 and that was a heck of a hockey game. Mm -hmm. uh, that was Tretiak was in net then and then the Americans came in and beat him but pretty proud of them and when I look back you look back at where a game is now those Olympics probably changed the NHL more than anything. You know here was a bunch mm -hmm. of young college guys winning the gold medal. The Cold War was going on. Hockey wasn't big in Dallas or LA or Florida and Tampa and stuff. There was no hockey that got the whole U.S. engaged. Here's a bunch of young kids beat the big, the big bear from Russia, and I really believe that that got hockey going in the U.S. And here we are in Dallas right now. Speaking of the U.S., you were a big part of the Detroit Red Wings for a long time, scouting, managing, helping Kenny Holland. Ninety-seven, ninety-eight back-to-back -back cups. You know, '03 Scotty Bowman's last cup, and then obviously '08 with Mike Babcock. The foundations from Detroit. How much have they affected you in terms of your managerial career? Major effects. You know, first of all, you talk about the people. You know, Scotty Bowman. Uh, you know, can't say enough about him. To, to build him, be with him by his shoulder and see how he operated, why he did things, why he didn't do things. Jimmy Devolano, uh, another great general manager that's in the Hall of Fame. Kenny Holland. Uh, Kenny and I actually played junior together, mm -hmm. and I worked my way up with him. I worked under him, and it's a big part of my career. And when I look back, I had opportunities to go to places, but I stayed there. Uh, probably could have gone a little bit sooner, but I stayed there. 
Probably a good thing because I look back now, the things I learned there, if I didn't have that experience, mm -hmm. how would I have survived in this business now? I don't know. Speaking of surviving, we're both guided to battle cancer. Your wife has battled cancer. How is she doing? My wife's unbelievable. She's, uh, she's been battling for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, she does chemo every three weeks, but she's uh, an amazing woman, amazing mother, and a, and a, a great wife. And uh, the way she, she's taken it, it's just not, uh, she's not sorry for herself. She's like, you know what, there's other people out here that need uh, help too, and that's how she takes it. She's out there helping other people and doing a great job. How important is it to be positive when you're going through those cancer situations? Well, I know you lived it also, and it, it's very important. It, it's, it's, that's all it is. It, it's uh, having the right, right outlook in life. Some days you don't want to get up, and you're, but you know you have to, and you, got, mm -hmm. you might have kids at home, and you've got other people watching you, and I, I believe a big part of it's all attitude. So attitude is a big part of that. Um, this is the hardest question I'll ask you. How hard was it this year with Jimmy Montgomery and the situations you had to go through? That, that was tough. Uh, you know, first of all, Jim Montgomery, he's, he's a good man and he's a, he's a good coach. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not very often you fire a coach when at the time, I think we, we were on about an 11-3 in one run. Mm -hmm. We were doing great. But it's something uh, that had to be done. It was the right thing. Uh, right thing for all parties. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm at very peace with that because I, it's something we had to do. Talk about your relationship with Rick Bonus. I know it goes back a long way, especially you guys were teammates, I believe, in Winnipeg, right? So it goes back a long way. You worked together in Ottawa. How easy was it for you to put him right in charge? That's where, that was probably the, not that anything was easy when, when you go through these situations, but probably the one thing I'm most at peace with when I sat down and said, we've got to make a decision here quick, I knew I had four head coaches mm -hmm. behind the bench. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rick Bonus had been around a long time, and I thought he was the right guy to take it over, but he's got great support from the other assistant coaches, and that was probably the easiest part of the whole thing. I knew we were in good hands and that, uh, you know, they'd been around Jim now for two years, and they knew how we were operating. There wasn't going to be a lot of change because uh, that was my biggest fear is, okay, i got to make this move. Who do I bring in? And to know that I had uh, these other guys that could just keep it rolling, that was the easiest part. Describe Tyler Sagan. Uh, very intellectual, uh, very upbeat. I love his personality. Uh, he's very... Uh, a real student of the game. Mm -hmm. I remember when I traded for him. Uh, I got a phone call right away, and he wanted to get some uh, video on Jamie Benn. He knew he was going to play with Jamie Benn, mm -hmm. and he wanted to see how he plays, you know, what makes him tick, how I should do things. Very sharp that way. Uh, and and he's, <laughs> we always laugh because he'll come in and he'll always look at my shoes or my, what I'm wearing and stuff. He's always he's slick. He's always <laughs> slick. He's watching. He's watching. He, he knows. The funny thing is the players know more of what's going on than anybody else does. They know more. You're they right. know when something's happened before we do, and uh, they're very smart that way, and he's very bright that way. I love how you put your team together, and I'll use an example, Andrew Cogliano. What made you go out and get Andrew Cogliano? Those are the parts of the game that I, you know, the ordinary fan maybe doesn't understand. But to, to win in this league, to win at every, any level, there's certain pieces you have to have. And uh, first of all, Andrew's been a winner wherever he's been. Mm -hmm. uh, he's great in the dressing room, but it's what he brings on and off the ice. Uh, he plays the game the right way all the time. Uh, if you come and watch his practice, he's making everybody accountable in practice. Uh, you know, passes got to be on the tape. Uh, if you miss a pass, he's making somebody accountable for it. It's doing every drill 100% all the time. Those are the little things that you need around your young kids. And uh, he brings that every night. And his line with Radic Fax and Blake Como is mm -hmm. one of the best 
uh, if you, I don't know if you want to call them third line, but one of the best shutdown uh, lines there is in the league right now. See, I can tell you, he did work for Scotty Bowman because one thing Scotty <laughs> Bowman never did is number his lines. He told me one time, our fourth line might be our first line one night, and that's our right. first line might be our fourth line. So that's good. Scotty yeah. Bowman is yes. right there. Yeah. Um, talking about players, Jamie Benn. He's your captain. He's the guy that everybody's paid attention to in the market. You've called him out a couple times. Yeah, well, you know, when you're a captain, uh, that, that goes with the leadership sometimes. And uh, there's nobody that wants to win more than Jamie. And, and he accepts that, mm -hmm. and he knows it. And uh, he's another guy that sometimes, you know, his production might not be where people think it should be, but he's doing so many other little things around around the dressing room or on the ice that influences a game. And I know you're down at ice level all the time, and you see some of these things that take place. Mm -hmm. This is still a tough game, and he <laughs> plays as hard as anybody. He's got he a lot of respect on that ice, and uh, he brings a lot of different intangibles to us. How excited were you when you got Joe Pavelski? Well, I was very excited. You know, any time, I guess I'm going to go back to my Detroit days. That's one thing I learned from Scotty and, and Kenny and Jimmy, and, and that was you can never have enough of those type of players. Mm -hmm. Guys that have been through the wars, uh, successful you know, they're the Hall of Famer type of players. And any time you can add those guys, you're adding something to your team that's going to help you win down the road. And you may not see it all the time. You know, there might be stretches you see it. But when you get down to crunch time, that's where you're going to notice these guys. Can you describe your relationship with the late John Ferguson and how it may have impacted you? Another one of my mentors. Uh, an amazing man. Uh, you know, everybody, John Ferguson, if you know him, everybody thinks of this rough, tough guy. But <laughs> I've never seen a man with a bigger heart and a guy mm -hmm. that cared about people. And I was fortunate. Played for him in Winnipeg. He traded for me. We became great friends. Uh, I ended up working with him in Ottawa. And uh, just uh, he loved the game. He loved people but I just love how he respected people. He treated people the right way. <laughs> he had the biggest hands. Oh. When you shook his hand, oh, my was, goodness yes. gracious. One, one time, I still remember, we are going to Utica. Uh, he was in Utica to scout a game, and I was going to meet up with him there. And I saw him sitting in the concourse, so I thought I'd come up behind him and kind of scare him a little bit. So I wrapped my arms around him and said, Ferguson. And he tightened up, and it was like grabbing a boa. He tightened up, and I said, Fergie, it's me. Don't turn around and do anything. <laughs> his hands were as big, oh, and he was God. strong. But uh, his heart was as bigger than his body. He really amazing. amazing. I totally amazing. agree. I miss him every day. I yeah. um, want to ask you about the Dallas Stars going in the playoffs. Obviously, you still got some road to cover. How optimistic are you about your group? We, you know what? I, I like our team when we play the right way. Uh, we got a certain identity. I think there's mm -hmm. probably five or six teams in the league. You know, the St. Louis's, the Boston's, the Vegas's, uh, the Washington's. We're a big, heavy team. And uh, we have to play the right way, which every team does. But our biggest thing is sticking with our identity. Uh, we got great goaltending, we got good defense, and when we play our game the right way, we're a tough team to play against. And uh, the biggest thing is that's you play 82 games, and it's it's a marathon, and mm -hmm. it's getting these guys to buy into that every night. But we're getting there, and uh, like I said. I think there's 20 teams that can win the cup. That's how close it is. Yeah, and I would that, agree. That's not disrespect any team. Yeah. That's how tough the league is. Yeah. Trouble is only 16 make it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so you got to get in there, yeah. and then once you get in there, got to stay healthy, got to get a little bit lucky, but uh, we can match up against anybody. Thank you for your time, Jim. Thank you. Great to see you looking Thank so you. good. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Always great to hear from Jim Nill. Talk about this Dallas Stars team right now. Uh, obviously, Head coaching change, Rick Bonus, but this is a team that has a lot of talent, made a run last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
Is this a championship caliber team? Do you think this is a team I, that should have those aspirations? I think it absolutely is. And I think there's a lot of teams in the Western Conference that are concerned about the Dallas Stars. I, I think they have top-end talent, which has kind of settled into playing a team-first type game. So I do believe that their numbers are a little bit down. Jamie Benn being one of those guys, Tyler Sagan the other, mm-hmm. uh, which happens, which is kind of that balance between committing to doing all the little things right that help your team win and sacrificing your own personal statistics. I think that is part of the reason why we're seeing that. But I think they have size. I think they have grit. And I think they have speed. And it's not just at the forward position. I love their blue line. I think Jim Nell's done a great job in revamping the blue line there in Dallas. Klingberg's an outstanding offensively gifted defenseman. And then Miro Haskinen is a star of the future. And it's all about how well he skates the puck out of trouble and makes plays through the neutral zone that forces the opposition to kind of think their game plan to try to slow down the, the star's blue line. So there's a lot in Dallas to like, and I think there's going to be a a lot of prediction that the Dallas Stars will come out of the Western Conference, and I do believe that other teams in the West, when the trade deadline comes around, are going to be keeping the Dallas Stars in mind when they try to add pieces to their team. I think, in my eyes, that's how important that team is in the Western Conference right now. Well, we just finished talking about St. Louis and the Kachucks and Hawking St. Louis. Well, Ben Bishop, St. Louis guy. Yeah. And he just fresh off of seeing the St. Louis Blues win a Stanley Cup. They beat them last year in the playoffs. So I'm sure the big fellow's motivated as no one really talked about Didn't get to go to St. Louis for the All-Star either, That's exactly what I mean. So he's on the outside watching all this, everyone talking about St. Louis, and he wasn't even there. So I'm sure he's using that as motivation too, as thinking to himself, listen, I'm one of the best goalies in the National Hockey League. He's like Roddy Dangerfield, never gets any respect. I mean, he's got to stay healthy. But when he does, he's the best puck-moving big man in terms of goaltender in the National Hockey I think, right now. So he's the backbone. For all the reasons you mentioned, Jonesy, with the Dallas Stars, you add him to the mix, and if, if he's on his game, I mean, he took the Tampa Bay Lightning to the Cup Finals mm-hmm. a few years ago, so he's certainly capable of doing that. Now can he stay healthy during the Stanley Cup run? That remains to be seen. And, and what lessons did they learn from the Blues last year in that mm-hmm. seven-game double overtime series? I think they taught the Blues some lessons in that series as well. One thing they can take out of it is they were able to grind with with St. Louis. And where the Blues wore down a lot of opponents, the Dallas Stars were right there with them. And I I think that's going to bode well for them when the playoffs roll around. I I think that there's that style of play that they can beat you with their size and strength and grind or also with their speed that make them a team that's kind of got multi-facets that can battle against whatever team they're going up against. And there were certainly some questions, even to go back to that St. Louis Blues and the style, but there were questions about Craig Berube, whether he could be the head coach that leads your team to a Stanley Cup final and a championship. Answers those questions. Now Rick Bonus is in. Those questions are going to be there for him. Should he be? Is there a pressure that he's under? Do you believe right now, where if they have a couple of bad weeks, if they string a few losses together, that he's going to be feeling some heat? Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, I think if he dropped four games in a row, five games in a row, and all of a sudden the Dallas Stars were a bubble team, uh, I think that there would be a tremendous amount of pressure, and there would be a lot of ob- observation going on from Jim Nill's perspective on seeing this great hockey guy that's been an assistant coach forever and has had head coaching experience, but it's a long time ago. Is he the guy to get us over the top this year? And if he doubts it, if he has any inkling that it's not the right coach, he'll bump him back to being an assistant and bring in a head coach. The issue being there's a lot of really good head coaches that are available right now. I think the pressure also stems to the fact that he wasn't 
Jim Neal's first choice. Jim Montgomery was his guy. Yep. Yep. And unfortunately, he was let go prematurely. So it wasn't like Jim Neal brought Rick Bonus in. He brought him in because he had to. He had no other choice at the time. And at the time when he was hired, all these excellent coaches that are out there now weren't available. So I think they're a cup final contender for sure, 100%. Now, can Rick Bonus get them over the hump? He certainly has tons of experience. There's nothing in the game of hockey that he hasn't seen before. He's been in the cup finals as an assistant coach. But can he push the right buttons for this team and see if they get them over the edge? That remains to be seen. And it's so tight right now. Like losing four or five games in January, February isn't the same as losing four or five games right. in October, November because you have few, far fewer games to play to make up those points. Yeah, and I, I think a lot uh, – the great news for Rick Bonus is he's been on some teams that have made long runs in the playoffs. Yeah. So he's been in every meeting and witnessed anything that happened in Tampa with John Cooper over the years when they ended up uh, going to the Stanley Cup final before losing to the Blackhawks. So he's been there and done that. Uh, I believe that he is very capable of getting the job done, but I do think there's pause for concern if you're Jim Nill and this team starts to slide a little bit. Yeah. And I do believe he's under the watchful eye right now of a general manager that knows he's got a team that's good enough to win the Stanley Cup but wants to make sure that he doesn't leave any stones unturned, and that would be one of them. Well, especially when you mention that there are coaching candidates out there right now. There are guys that you think potentially you could bring in who could be legitimate championship caliber head coaches uh we're gonna make big predictions we're i'm gonna still throw mine out there and mine is that gerard gallant will be a head coach again this season uh that would make him the third head coach to be fired then rehired this season which would be an nhl record i'll, I'll I take don't, that one step I'm further not, where do you think you'll get i'm not gonna say dallas though <laughs> i'm not gonna say dallas uh i'm not making that bold of a prediction but i'll save your predictions your bold prediction for the pacific division all right because let's move over to that side Take the California clubs out of the equation because they are basically out of the equation. Then the remaining five teams, all separated by one point. You talk about having a bad couple of games or a bad couple of weeks. All of a sudden, you go from first place to you're out of the playoffs. And Vancouver's in first place right now. But there's a team that could potentially go into February in first place and then miss the postseason. So you look at the Pacific Division right now. Those five teams that are in the mix, obviously, you have three Canadian clubs right up there. You have Vegas up there as well, Vancouver on a bit of a hot streak, do you have a team that you would put to win the Pacific Division right now? Is there a team that you would choose? I would say Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I like Vegas's depth up front. It all comes down to Marc-Andre Fleury. If he could resume that form that he had in previous years, they, they're the team, I think, as far as pressure on the team, in terms of talent, depth, experience. I think Vegas is my team. I like Edmonton, too, only because they have the best player in the game in the Pacific Division, Con Connor McDivitt and Dreisaitl. Yeah. But they don't have enough depth. And my only concern is if one of those players go down and get injured, Edmonton Oilers could be in problems. Yeah, regular season depth and playoff depth are a little bit different. So, But the fact that every game now in the Pacific Division is playoff-like, yeah. I, I do think it gives an advantage to Vegas that Vegas would be my team to pick as well. They were at the start of the year when I was looking at that division to be the best. They haven't played like they're the best, and that kind of led to the coaching change. Peter DeBoer is a tremendous coach when it comes to teaching his team how to forecheck, and he has not had enough time yet to put his systems in place. This all-star break could not have come at a better time for him. The second part of this season, starting from the All-Star break on, you're going to see a different Vegas team, and they're going to be a lot better. So I do think that they find traction. I think Peter DeBoer is going to be a big reason why. I think they have plenty of talented uh, personnel within that lineup, and I think they find a way to play the game 
a, in a much quicker fashion. They've slowed down. They stopped playing like they did their first year, and that's what made them so effective. So even though they've added some players that don't necessarily jump off the page, like their speedsters, like Mark Stone, who's a very methodical player, yeah. Paul Stastny is a very methodical player, I think that they've got enough pieces around them, and they're going to have a system that's much different than what we saw through the first part of the year up to the All-Star break. So stay tuned and let's see what they do. But I, I think it's going to be a very effective coaching change. The team that made the biggest splash out there was Arizona when they picked up Taylor Hall, right? You make this very way before the trade deadline. You decide your team's good enough. You're pushing your chips in. You're really making a move here. Do you think they make the playoffs? I think they do. I like the way Rick Tockett has their team playing. I thought Taylor Hall was a nice move for them. I think they need one more move, too. I'm not sure if they have enough depth up front. I like some of their young players they have. But you need to have more than just Taylor Hall to get out of the Pacific Division. So... I think just from a hockey standpoint in Arizona and watching the way the game has grown in other markets, I think it's important for Arizona to make the playoffs. I think it's important for them to be in the fight down the stretch. But they have got to take that next step this year. Being around that eighth seed wild card is cool, but it's not good enough, Jones. I think this is the year they need to take that next step by actually qualifying for the playoffs and giving the people there some playoff hockey this spring. Yeah, injuries and goal kind of came at the wrong time for Arizona. I also agree that I think they're a very good team. I think they're a dangerous team. I think they do need a piece. I think they've got an owner now that's got some cash and is willing to spend it. They have some assets that they could move, including Michael uh, Grabner, who has not played well there this year. But there's always a team out there that wants his speed and his mm-hmm. ability to kill penalties. He'd be a nice addition to an Eastern Conference team. So something to keep an eye on there. They also have a lot of assets as far as draft choices go as well. So I, I do believe there'll be some tinkering in Arizona, but I do think they've got enough to make the playoffs and also be a, a dangerous team when the playoffs roll around. They've got a system that they believe in, and they're a difficult team to score against, and that usually bodes well when the playoffs roll around. Flames won the Pacific last year. They were the top seed in the West last year. Flames make the playoffs? I think it's going to be tough. I really do, and Johnny Gaudreau has to get going. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, for me, the, the key, only right? player that has to get going for the Calgary Flames. Like their goaltending, like their D. Uh, we talked about Matthew Kachuk about a lot already, but Johnny Gaudreau, like, it seems like from the playoffs last year, he had a down playoff, and it's been a carryover into this season, and it's been a problem. Yeah, like, He's the straw that stirs the drink other, as well as, as much as I love Matthew Kachuk's game, as much as an agitator, and he drives that emotion for the team, that skill level gets picked up a thousand times and Johnny Gaudreau was dancing through the neutral zone and really driving play with his speed and creativity. Yeah, that, that would be the key. I agree with that too. But you hope that what you're seeing was what happened to Tampa at the start of this year when they were blowing out in the first round by Columbus. They were they were almost mentally injured by that. It took them, what, six weeks, eight weeks of the regular season to finally figure it out. They tried to implement a different style of play. Mm-hmm. They tried to counteract what they saw. Now they're going. You hope that as an individual, that's the same type of story for Johnny Gaudreau because they went up against a really good avalanche team, but Calgary was heavily favored in the series and they felt like they did nothing. They, they were beat by a good team. Kale McCarr showed up. All of a sudden, Colorado was a different team yeah. than you saw in the regular season. And it really took them back. And Johnny Gaudreau was every chance the, the Colorado Avalanche had a chance to hit him. 
they hit him. Yeah. And it was Zadorov, and it was all their grinders that went after him. And then I think it the really space took him gone. back. So yeah. they've got to build back his confidence there in Calgary. They've got to, as a coaching staff, find a way to get Johnny Gaudreau back to the player that we know he is. There's no season that should go by where Johnny Gaudreau is not at the All-Star game. Yeah. He's that He's skilled. too talented. So that's, that. to me, that's they fixed that. Calgary's in the conversation. The they there, don't. Right? They're not going to make it this year. Gaudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm combined minus 42. Uh, to me, I look Incredible. at them because I look at a team that's right in the mix but is underachieved. So if you can just turn True. it on a little bit, yep. then you should be right there. But we'll see. All right, that's going to do it for us. Another episode of Our Line Starts. You remember, these new episodes will drop every single Wednesday. You can subscribe for automatic downloads wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next time.